Greetings and welcome to The Othercast, a podcast dedicated to discussing the orcs in the Warhammer 40k universe created by Games Workshop. As I have just said, this is the first ever episode, so please do not judge this episode too hard. It is, at best, still in development, and a lot of the development is going to happen in real time. My door is always open for feedback, so please, if you hear something and you want me to change how I'm doing something, please email me and I'll see what I can do. But if you just subscribe to this podcast and you're living at some point in the far future, please skip ahead a few episodes, uh, at least before judging me. And if you choose to carry on, please understand this is still very early days. Anyway, all that said, this show is going to introduce who I am, what my plans are for this show in the future, and why I love orcs enough to create a podcast about them. So, let's talk about my plans for this podcast. 2020 has been quite a year, and there hasn't been a huge amount of good to come out of it. But one of the amazing things that I was able to do this year was start a podcast. I have, for the last year, been creating a podcast called The God Engine Podcast, a podcast dedicated to discussing the Adeptus Titanicus war game. And I've really enjoyed making it. I'm at about 40 episodes in now, and I have plans and lists of episodes that I have in the can that will probably take me to about 100 or so, and easily another 100 after that. Um, it's great. But I felt I needed to spend time thinking and talking about more than just my tiny titans. So, this, my other podcast, is time for me to focus on a different passion. Orcs. And a quick segue here. The reason this podcast is called The Other Cast is in tribute to the great orc source book, The Other Book, from the Gorkamorka core game. I'm going to talk way more about that book and all things Gorkamorka next week, and I'll go into a bit more depth of why this show's called what it is then. But for now, just flagging it, and we'll move on. So the actual plans of the podcast are pretty simple. Each episode is going to focus on an individual topic for discussion, with time set aside for community input and discussion of any new orc or youth news. The podcast is going to cover all things orcs in 40k, from 2nd edition to 9th edition from Gorkamorka to the air wars of Aeronautica Imperialis. It really doesn't matter. If orcs appear in something Games Workshop publishes, I am going to talk about it. I'm going to do deep dives in it, and we're going to get a real good understanding of what it means to be an orc. Or at least, what it means to put them on the tabletop. But that said, I'm going to be talking a lot about the spirits of the orc. The sort of fluff, the background, the themes that we're portraying when we put them on the tabletop. I am going to discuss rules, but I'm really not going to deep dive in every single rule and talking about how to best get the best out of units. It's not what I do. Um, I'm not an avid 40k player. That's much more my Titanicus jam. Orcs are where I go when I want to have a bit of fun. And I think there's a space to talk about that. But there are plenty of other people out there on the internet talking about how to create competitive lists, how to create the lists of maximal efficiency. That's not what I'm going to be about. I'm going to be about how to have the most fun. How to understand the lore enough so we can get fun out of units that seem a little lackluster. How to enjoy the hobby. That's what I want to be about. 
enhancing and making everyone's more enjo enjoyment more. Um, so don't expect the latest tournament news or real long conversations about maximizing tournament lists. But I will be talking about them here and there because they are part of the hobby. But I will need guests to come on and do that sort of conversation. I'm not saying it won't happen. It's just not going to be the focus. And this also doesn't say that I'm discounting rules. Part of having fun is having a good game. And part of having a good game is giving your opponent a good challenge. And that actually means you do have to understand how your army works. Or at least you have to be able to play them in a way that's going to lead to exciting moments on the tabletop. Showing up and not knowing how your rules work and just being like, I'm here for the story, isn't fair on anyone. It doesn't lead to a good game. It's the other side of the coin to power gaming. On one side you have, I'm bringing a list that is just going to smash you off the table without letting you interact. On the other end is like, I'm showing up and I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm just going to collapse on the table and you aren't going to have a good time trying to defeat me. There's a middle ground, and that's what I'm going to try and work towards. How can we show up with a list that's going to be fun? And that will come up from time to time. Okay, so I think that's enough of talking about what we're going to see. I think everything else, you know, you'll experience as we go on from this. So let's go on for the rest of the show, which is going to be an introduction about who I am, what my collection of orcs are, and a few other thoughts. So now we move to the part of the show that normally would be the time I talk about what hobby stuff I've been up to. But as this is the very first episode, I'm going to spend some time talking about who I am in regards to the hobby, both my orcs and actually the other war games I play. For those who've listened to my previous podcast, this is going to be very similar to the first episode of the God Engine cast, but it's going to have a slightly different focus. For me, the hobby started in 1998, when my parents brought a very excited 12-year-old the core Warhammer 40k 2nd edition box set for Christmas. It was fantastic. Changed my world. I played this game for the next seven year years and played probably every other system Games Workshop produced at the time. I say nearly, as I did manage to miss both Epic and Warmaster. Though, that said, there were a couple of Epic video games. They were Epic and they also were focused on the game Epic. Um, one particular, Final Liberation. I probably spent more time playing that game on skirmish mode so I could play around as orcs. If you've never seen any of the cutscenes from Final Liberation, do yourself a favour, go and look at them. It's a great game. It focused on an invasion of these orcs on an imperial world and the crusade to win the world back. Uh, the actual single-player side was all from the imperial side, fighting orcs. But um, it was really good fun. Very 90s. The orcs in it were all done as live action, which is, yeah, incredible. Um, yeah, it's something beautiful. And the game itself was pretty good. It was a square-based hex game um, set around Epic. Had a lot of the old-school Epic Orc vehicles. It's an introduction to a lot of that for me. Anyway, okay, enough of that tangent. Let's get back to the actual core games. Shortly after getting my second edition box set, I picked up Gork and Walker. Gork and Walker had been released a few months before I got into the hobby. But my second ever White Dwarf was focused on its expansion, Diganob. And after buying a subscription of White Dwarf, I received the core Gorkamorka box game as a free gift. It was fantastic. And that was that. 1998, my world was focused on Gorkamorka. In 1999, 3rd edition dropped, and very quickly came the uh, Orc Codex, which was fantastic. 
defined so much what we consider now solid orc ideas. And then a year later in 2000, the first global campaign was ran by Games Workshop, the third war for Armageddon. I just finished playing through the second war of Armageddon from the uh, core second edition box set that I updated to third. And then suddenly we had a third edition game. Uh, the third war and it was fantastic and it was from that third edition um armageddon codex that i built my cult of speed and that was my army then for the longest time seas of buggies and tracks i mean gorkamorka had given me so many um and i collected so many additional ones because they were fairly cheap uh and i carried on playing that all the way to university um and by the time i headed off to university i managed to collect a large collection of Chaos and Imperial Guard as well as my Orcs. And then obviously I was also dabbling in Warhammer Fantasy where I had some Chaos and Vampire counts. And like so many others, the transition to university for me was the end of my 40k playing gear days. Um, there's quite a lot going on in the hobby at that time. Fourth edition eventually dropped while I was there. And I didn't have enough money to update my rule books, And I just felt like the game was slipping away from me. So I stopped playing. I had other things I was being occupied with. Mostly beer girls and uh, another hobby i got really into larp live action role play which was really good fun and was a big part of my life for the longest time in fact it's no small part of why i'm now living in the united states but yeah that was the next big event i suppose i graduated college with a degree in geology and living in the uk there wasn't a huge amount of work the first company i ever worked for sent me to the united states for you know a little bit of training for three or four months and while I was over here, I met a girl. Yeah. So, you know, a year later, when that company had fired me, because they realized, and I realized, that I didn't actually like the work I was doing, um, I moved to the United States to marry my wife. And when I did that, I sold off a large portion of my old hobby collection back in the UK. And I didn't think about it. The money was really useful for the move. And yeah, there was that. Well, in 2011, then, I was over in the States. I'd settled in. Me and my wife had moved to the city of Tulsa. And I was working quite regularly out on drilling rigs in western Oklahoma. I mean, panhandle, nothing around for miles. It was kind of beautiful, but also very isolating. And after a couple of months of that and getting very bored and having poor internet connections, not being able to do anything, uh, my wife decided to buy me a... Warhammer box set. I think it was some Space Marines and some paints and it gave me something to do on rig and I started painting up a Space Marines chapter. And from that I got back into the hobby pretty hard. Um, I had a lot of time on my hands and uh, a good amount of money so I collected very quickly a large Space Marine army, an Iron Warriors army, a Traitor Guard army and then I started some Blood Angels and this was all back in Quick editor's note, I'm about to start mentioning some editions of Warhammer 40,000 here. Um, for the next bit, I'm out, uh, out of sync. So when I say 7th, I'm meaning 6th, and when I'm meaning 8th, I'm meaning 7th. Uh, I think it's kind of ex self-explanatory based on the time and dates I'm talking about, but just to be clear. Like 7th and 8th edition. 2016 happened, um, and the oil industry was hit pretty hard, and I lost all my work and we ended up having to move to southeast Oklahoma and I stopped playing the game. This was right around the release of ninth edition. And ninth edition hit and I didn't like it. I'm just gonna be frank about it. Um I really was heavy into 40k at the drop. I was playing tournaments with my Imper with my Imperial Guard and my own warriors and it just 
I didn't enjoy this transition. Um, many reasons for it, but it just didn't spark. And I ended up playing a lot of Age of Sigmar, and then obviously Titanicus. Um, but it was in that time period that I decided I wanted to get back to 40k. I loved 40k, and my passion had just died away. And I looked at it and realized it was the armies I was collecting. I enjoy my Chaos Armies, don't get me wrong. But I'd always been, you know, secretly lusting again after Orcs. Like, way back when I started collecting, it was... I was so close to picking up Orcs again. Um, even though... But my wife had started me down the path of collecting Space Marines. So then in 2016, maybe 2017 actually, thinking about it, I started selling off models. I would find completed units that I got that I wasn't using, that were fully painted, and I got all my hobby enjoyment out of it. And I'd sell it. And with that money, I'd went and brought more orcs. And I slowly built an orc army. Um, I consider it a looted army because it's being built from the wreckage of previous collections. Um, and I got really into orc lore again. It's really grown and adapted and become fantastic. And like with 9th edition dropping this year and with everything going on this year, I mean, I've not played a game of 9th yet. I took it as a sign that I needed to focus really tightly on my orcs. So I've been even more, I wouldn't say gung-ho, but even more driven to remove the collections I'm not using, to reinvest in orc models. So I've got something to paint and enjoy and hobby with. Um, I built myself a crusade list, and at some point soon I'm going to get to put it on the table. And when it, that happens, you'll hear about it on this podcast. And I found myself watching more and more YouTube content on orcs and just getting so involved in the orc community. And I just realized there was a space for someone to sit down and talk about podcasts. So that's why I'm here. Anyway, I'm getting distracted. Let's go back and talk actually about my orc collections. So I'm going to start by talking about my old orc Call to Speed army. I've actually got a few of the old Call to Speed models still sitting around in my basement. They're actually being stripped of paint so I can use them in my current army. But before they go down, I usually look at them kindly and realize, you know, how much of a terrible painter I was when I was 14. Um, I think we've all been there. But anyway, um, the Orc Call to Speed back in 3rd edition, and into 4th really, had a really unique style of gameplay. Back in the day, for those who perhaps only played 9th edition, you only could take one detachment. It was your force allocation chart would allow you three elite, six troops, three fast attack, three heavy support, and two HQs, standard. And it meant that, you know, you couldn't take that many buggies or trucks with boys in them in a list. Because to take a truck with a boy squad, they had to be a fast attack unit. It was very odd times. But then along came the Cult of Speed. The Cult of Speed was really interesting. It made all fast attack units in the Orc Codex troop choices. And it gave you the option of putting a war, a war boss on a bike and inserted a few other units like trucks that just had a big gun on the back. And you could take an entire vehicle force at that point. And it was really good. I mean, mechanically, it was crazy. Um, this was back in the day without glancing hits, um, when strength three weapons just couldn't hurt a vehicle, because even though orcs' vehicles are pretty weak, they still had an armor of 10, and to get a 
good hit on it, you needed to roll a 11 um, to actually stand a chance of destroying it rather than just degrading it. So my orc called to speed was born. And it generally ran about 10, 20 buggies, all with rockets, a couple of trucks with some truck boys to secure objectives, and a war boss and his knobs on bikes. And it was just fun. Uh, it would race across the table, blowing everything up with rockets, and was just generally hilarious. Uh, the buggies all carried twin link rockets, so, you know, even with a blitz skill or two, I was rolling twice, and the amount of dacker it could put out was kind of staggering. It was a little cheesy, um, definitely something that a teenager would build, and the modelling on it was eh, it was subpar, if I'm honest. I did do something fun, though. Um, I say fun. When I was painting them up, I could not never decide what clan I was going to be. So I had, like, a very mixed bag of actual boys. Um, but my vehicles, I settled on this brown colour, and one of my friends at one point noted that it was very much like the GDI from the Command & Conquer series. So on the box, then, I scrawled ODI, and they became the Orc Defense Initiative, and it was fun. And I sort of leaned into that very heavily by making some sort of iconography very similar to the uh, GDI symbol. Um, very teenage, very fun, and um, I look back at them with a high amount of charm. Even though when I start seeing those models, they, you know, don't hold up that well. At some point, I'm going to try and paint up a couple of guys uh, from the Orc Defense Initiative to slide into my Orcs. Probably my commandos are going to have a uh, feel of them, just to sort of give them the nod of what they were back in the day. But yeah, um, that was my list. And actually, it was one of the reasons I probably didn't get back into orcs as quickly as I did, because a lot of those models I used to build that list were available on the Games Workshop website back in 2010. And I didn't feel like recollecting the same army again. Things have changed somewhat now, and there is a lot of really cool models out there. And uh, I took a very different tactic when I came back to collecting orcs this time around. So let's now talk about my real orc collection, the one I'm currently painting. So this is a very different project for me. Although my first orc army was just collected at random and never really found a artistic or story place I was going for until someone made a side comment and I kind of leaned into it. Um, it wasn't the case for my current orcs. My current orc collection is probably like the 15th army I've collected, if I'm being truthful. And it's one I spent a great deal of time thinking about. From whenever I got back into the hobby, I think 2010, I kept on thinking how I would collect orcs again. And if I'm being truthful, it's probably even before that, because I'd play things like Dawn of War and be like, I want to collect orcs again. I go to the Games Workshop website and look at it. So I came into this with a great deal of forethought. Now, how much of that forethought actually mattered is a matter of debate. But anyway, I had seen a lot of what I felt were very comic-looking orcs. People who would play them for laughs, or not necessarily the players who played orcs, but a lot of the people around the orcs always thought them as a bit of a joke. So I was like, I want to make a brutal-looking, grimdark orc army list. Not just list, I just want the models to be fearsome. So naturally, when I started thinking about what clan I was going to do, although there was some debate, it was pretty hard not just to do a proper odd goth list. I love the goths. They are brutal and everything an orc wants to be. they just in your face. They also have a really easy paint scheme. Um, painting black is difficult, but not impossible, especially after some of the paint schemes I've tried to do. Um, and I knew I could paint goths pretty well, and they would be easier to paint. 
Um, one of the things that I burnt out with in 40k was I was doing this Blood Angel army with bone armor and purple pauldrons and gold trim, and it was just looked great when I could paint it or when I put the time in and effort to paint it, but it wasn't something I could paint easily. And these orc models I was putting together were easy to paint. They may not have been visually striking on an individual level. I wasn't going to any, win any awards. But they were good enough for tabletop, and they would look impressive, and I've always been complimented for them. So I went back in with that as one of my intentions. I was going to create a well-painted army with some really cool conversions. As I said a little time ago, my entire orc army is looted. So as I've been selling off models, if I look at something and go, you know, I probably could loot this and put this in my orc collection, that's what I've done. This started off by building three sentinel kits I had lying around my guard and turning them into killer cans. I have a chimera that's the, become the basis of a battle wagon. Parts of a Mechanicum dune crawler have become a mech gun. Um, I didn't lean too heavily into looting space marine stuff and i'll get to that in a minute why i'm not doing that yet but um i just wanted to build like a fun looking orc army just take time in converting even my each of my boys have spent time building them and painting them because at the end of the day especially in this pandemic world one of the best things i get out of the hobby is the painting and collecting and there are a lot of models to painting collect in an orc army and because they're so cheap point wise I can put a lot on display when I pull out my army list, and that's fun. So let's quickly run through the actual collection I've got that's fully painted at the moment. I have a war boss that I converted from the Ogre Moor Tribes a Tyrant. He's a big boy. Uh, I use him with the uh, Stratagem um, biggest boss, and he is huge. He looks great. Replace the spearhead with a part of the Killer Can kit, so he's got a big chain axe type thing going on. Uh, cut out the face, but kept the original ogre helmet. So he's got this like brutal, brutal-looking helmet. He looks like he's surveying the battlefield. His head's a little bit lifted up, so he's not slouching, which is an interesting look for an orc. But it works. Filed down the belly, rebuilt the gut plate. There's photos of him all around the internet. And I'm going to throw one on this uh, podcast. So aside from him, I then got the usual array. I've got an orc warboss from the Black Breach set that I picked up real cheap. That he's my stand-in. Got a couple of mech boys. One mech boy converted from um, a special character from Gorkamorka, the Scrap Prospector. Turned him, turned him into my mech with a uh, custom force field because he's a big scrap-filled backpack. The lore is that he doesn't quite know what he's uh, uh, uses for the field, but something he's got in there does it, so he's fine. Um, I then got a pile of grots. Um, my parents were able to send over some of the models I never sold off, which is a good portion of my Gorkamorka orcs one of which is a lot of my uh, Rebel Grots I picked up. So a lot of the Rebel Grots that were in vehicles, the vehicles sadly have been lost somewhere, but I had all the crew. So a lot of the crew that were holding stuff have been shown, have been altered to be pulling uh, loot crates or moving scrap around, and they use as my uh, Grot Oilers and ammo runs and that sort of thing. Um, I then got like 30 painted boys now, two trucks, they're both pretty good. I just finished one battle wagon, which is the one I was talking about earlier, uses the back half of Chimera that I built up on the back with a giant scrappy, like, fortress at the back. The front of it is the original battle wagon, but that's been raised so I could fit an undercarriage and then use the dozer blade up from the um, Gene Sealer Cult Rock Grinder kit just to make it look like, you know, it had a pretty innovative death roller. Um, 
call it the kill dozer and it looks pretty awesome um i got my sentinels as i said and then finally i have my stomper it was the kit that drew me back to playing orcs i realized it was actually really cheap like a hundred bucks 110 bucks and i was able to trade trade in a couple of models i had lying around and pick one up and it was a painting project and a half it is a fully blown titan well maybe a little smaller than the Forgeable Titans, but it's got some heft. And I spent ages converting it. Moved all the guns around to put them in a bit more of a sane place. Sane in, you know, orcish level of sane. So all the small arms weapons went low on the body so they could clear infantry as it got close. Uh, the rockets all got moved over to the other shoulder pad because that's only that shoulder was empty. Uh, moved the flamer down from the back to put it underslung under the gun. And then just filled the whole thing with crew. Um, again, a lot of my rebel grots ended up on this uh, stumper. Uh, and it looks fantastic. Um, I had one guy wanting to buy it off me for $1,000. And I didn't because I love it too much. Uh, there are times I regret because there's a lot I could do with $1,000. But uh, yeah, I love it. Uh, um, again, photos of it are around the internet. And I will link those in the show notes. Um, for the longest time, that was the only model I'd actually painted. It was the first one I got completed in this army, and it's been sitting in a display cabinet in my dining room since it's been complete. Um, just sits there staring at my kids and my wife. Um, and it's fantastic. Um, it's absolutely terrible on the table. Um, and, yeah, it needs to be cheaper, which is a common cry from everyone in the York community. Sitting on the unpainted style, I've got some death copters. I've got a second battle wagon that I built out of a whole pile of kits. I got some bikes, and I've got a pile more but boys. Um, I'm planning on getting some uh, ogres soon, because um, I'm going to build a bodyguard squad for my big war boss. I'm just going to use some Age of Sigmar ogres to make big-looking knobs. I'm going to cover them in my armor plates and call them mega knobs. I think I've got a conversion in mind that will work. Um, I've also got been looking at the 30k fan decks for orcs, and I reckon I can use them there as well. Anyway, I'll talk about all these things and more as we go on with the show. I just wanted to, you know, randomly talk about it for a minute. It will work much better if this was a YouTube channel, but it's not. So, anyway. Well, now going back to this sort of segment we're in where I talk about my hobby updates. Usually what I'll do is I'll talk about what I'm doing next. And it won't necessarily be on just talking about what I'm doing with my orcs. This is just a chance for me to talk about my hobby in general. And um, I'm not going to set goals like some of the shows do. I'm just going to let people know what I'm doing and what I'm working on and what techniques I'm playing with and what resources I've been using to use those techniques because I think that's just useful conversation to have. Anyway, at the moment, I'm working on a very important step in my orc collection, finishing the last eight models in my Demon of Nurgle army. Yeah, it's not orcs, um, but I've had the whole Nurgle army sitting in a box since 2016. I used them like twice. I painted them all up in like two weeks manically in the end of 9th edition. Oh, end of 7th edition. And I've just not used them. Um, so I'm going to take a ton of photos of them once I finish painting them, post them around the internet, enjoy the praise, and then find someone to buy them off me. And then, when, then with that money, I'm going to invest in a pile of new orcs. I've got my eyes on, as I just mentioned, some ogres, but there's a pile of other kits I want. And I'm hoping this can fundraise my next expansion for my orc army and that as i've sort of said is my big plan for the next year i have a lot of half-finished armies and side projects downstairs that i'm going to get done i'm going to pick the models out tidy them up and then sell them um, i'm going to get maximum enjoyment out of it for, which is for me painting and hobbying and i'm going to find someone who will love owning them 
and I'll take the money and whatever I can salvage from it. I don't mind if I take a... I'm not trying to make a profit. I'm just trying to get some money back. And then I'm going to reinvest it in my orcs. Or perhaps the odd titan here and there. So next show, I'll let you know where I am and uh, if this hobby goal is moving on. And uh, when I do, I'll let you know what I'm going to build and so forth. Okay, to the main section of the show this week. We're going to talk about hobby rules. My personal hobby rules mostly. But this is an invitation for anyone listening to sit down and think about what their rules of the hobby are. What are their lines in the sand? What are they going to do? What are they not going to do? Sitting down and having a conversation with yourself about what you want to get out of the hobby and what you're not willing to do and what you're not willing to invest time in is really important. As I sort of indicated earlier, my experience with early third edition was that I didn't have rules. I did whatever I could afford and whatever I felt like. And in many ways, as soon as I started setting boundaries for myself when I came back to the hobby, things became a lot more rewarding. And I took it a stage further when I sat down and started collecting my orcs, where I sat down and wrote to myself what my rules would be about collecting orcs. I'd looked and seen what other people were doing with orcs. I saw things people were doing that I liked. And I saw things that I didn't like. So I sat down, wrote the rules down, and I'm going to discuss them now and why I'm doing them. I think this is also important because a lot of those rules are going to be reflected in this show. These are my attitudes about collecting orcs. And while I won't judge you for doing something differently, I won't be able to separate my views of Games Workshop's products from this list. So there's that. So I'm going to have the conversation, and I encourage anyone listening to who has feedback and thoughts on these ideas to email me. I'll give you all my contact details at the end of the show. So, my first rule is pretty simple. No high art. This was written top of the page of the notebook when I sat down to write these rules. I had burnt myself out over several collections trying to make armies that would win painting awards. And make armies that would win painting awards and produce a full army of it. It was madness. I know I can paint a couple of models and they will do really well on a painting matrix. And look visually stunning. Stunning. Occasionally it's an either or because some painting matrixes are bananas. But either either way, I know I can do really good pieces. But it takes it takes a level of effort that I don't find enjoyable. There is a line, a threshold, like I want to make a good looking model. But going to make a model that is going to be fantastic and or to chase the like perfection that I see on YouTube only leads to frustration. And at the end of a long day at work, or just a long day looking after my kids, I need something that will relax me. And that means I have to set my expectations. So I am not going to make the best looking army on the planet. I'm going to make an army that looks good from the other side of the table, for, you know, when you lean down and look a little closer. But if you get in too close, you're going to notice a lot of shortcuts I've taken. And yeah, it's going to be what it is. But that's going to be fine. That is what I'm, I'm okay with that. My rule is I'm not doing high art. I'm not necessarily going to thin my paints all the time. I find thinning paints annoying, so I'm not going to do it. I can come up with pretty good effects without it. I'm, I've got a lot of practice just doing straight out the pot. I know. Bold words. So that was my first big rule. And I set the expectation for myself what I want to see. I'm the only one who's going to set that expectation. And I'm not going to care if someone judges me on it. 
Yeah. So my second rule was to take care with the jokes. Now this is a very interesting one because a lot of folks see orcs as the light-hearted slapstick kind of jokey humorous clowns of the 41st millennium. And they kind of are. There is a lot of stuff in their lore and even in the audiobooks that is just downright humorous. The Prophets of Dewar series is an absolute laugh. Um, I find it immensely humorous and fantastic. And the orcs' whole attitude to war is kind of light light-hearted. It isn't it isn't to them a scary, grim dark thing. They don't see the grim dark of the universe. But they still exist in the 40k universe. And from an outside perspective, they are grim dark. They're these giant hawking aliens that will eat you as soon as look at you. They will murder anything, and they'll murder each other just because they feel like it. And it's very easy to take the humour to a place of silliness. So anytime you do anything, or I do anything with a joke, I need to gauge what it's going to do. Some of that is just avoiding, you know, human culture. I don't have my orcs making obscene gestures or writing funny things in English on the side of the tanks. Most of my orcs aren't going to know Gothic. And if they know Gothic and are going to write something on their vehicle, it's not going to be a joke. It's going to be something kind of scary. You look at the lore and know and look at which orcs are talked about knowing Gothic to talk about. And you are, you know, the Gazgulls and the like. These are not light-hearted individuals. If they're writing something down in Gothic for an Imperial to read, yeah, it's not going to be nice and fluffy. Secondly, there's a lot of orc humour, especially the stuff from the early days. The stuff that comes from the second edition codex, the sort of pre-Gorkamorka stew. But hasn't aged well. I think I'm going to talk about this more at length in the future. But, like, whenever I go back and get a piece of lore from the past, which I like doing, there's some really good stuff back there, you need to take it and look at it carefully and decide, you know, is this worthwhile? Does this joke, if it's a joke I'm pulling out, punch up? Um, I think that's the best way we can deal with humour in the modern day. Just don't go after people who are powerless. Don't if you're going to make a real world, a joke that equates itself to the real world, make sure it's a joke against power. Make it a joke against someone in authority or someone, you know, who are legitimate targets of jokes. As I said, it's, that's an entirely different subject, and I'm not going to get into it today. But it's something that was very important to me. Um, partly because I wanted to keep my walks grim dark. Um, it can be really fun to have a big cartoony orc army. But if I put my cartoony orc army down on the table and pair off against someone's fantastic, grim, dark, Blanchichu-style Chaos Space Marine army, it's going to seem a really weird game. Uh, like, and I will feel sorry for them because they put all this work into this grim, dark, great game and then I show up with clown cars. Yeah. It's not going to create moments on the table that I want to take photos of and create great cinematic moments. So I have to find the balance. As I said, I'm not doing high art. I'm going to do art models that are good. I'm going to do models that fit within the setting. They're going to be grimdark, but they are going to have like a light humour to them. One of the great examples of this is behind my stomper, I have two grots having a fight on one of the platforms and another grot sort of yelling at them to stop. Um, they're on the back of a stomper in the middle of a battle. That's kind of weird, and but orcish, and it's just nice. Um, 
and I've got that's the sort of small level humor there's another one of my boogies where I've got a um, grot splatted out on the road it's the grot from the giant kit in the giant kit there is a grot that's been stomped on well I've just laid it into the base so it's like he's just been run over by the buggy it's funny it's humorous and it's very orky um, but that's the sort of humor I'd be interjecting so take care with it and that also goes for like this podcast and for material for stuff I'm writing about my orcs just be careful with it as I said there are a couple of subjects involved in this that are things I'm going to have to really dig deep into especially when we start talking about those early Games Workshop materials there are some big landmines out there and we need to address it or it needs to be addressed when you're thinking about it um yeah anyway moving on so the third rule is an awareness of the law and i'm not just talking the law of the orcs i'm talking the greater story of the 40k universe a great example of this because it's a big topic so i'm just going to focus in on one idea there are no space marine bits in my orc collection no vehicle is just a looted rhino I have looted Chimeras, I have looted Sentinels, I have looted Admech stuff. These pieces of equipment are on many battlefields around the Warhammer 40,000 universe. The Space Marine stuff is rare. Space Marines arrive irregularly. They aren't everywhere. So I'm not going to include them. Now, maybe if I've had a regular opponent and we played lots of games... And I'm continually destroying his rhinos, and I'm regularly winning games and securing the field of battle. Yeah, at that point I'm probably going to put a rhino into my force and probably include a bit of chipped paintwork that shows it's one of his rhinos that we've looted. And that's going to be story-driven. But I'm not just doing it because I can, because those models are easy to acquire, because everyone else does it and there's a sort of good, like, you could tell it looked 40k. It may look 40k, but these things are meant to be rare. I mean, I love the idea of using a battle, building a battle wagon around a Land Raider. I've got a Land Raider I could use. But Land Raiders are meant to be really, really rare. And to have one just rolling around with some orcs somewhere who've never really fought Space Marines, it makes no sense. Um, and I want to avoid that. This coming from the guy that when the first Plastic Raider kit was released, I brought one on pre-order and converted it into an orc looted vehicle that day. Um, so I've done it before, and so I'm not like... I'm not presuming innocence here. It's just something I didn't want to do for this collection. Um, I wanted my orcs, as I said, to be grimdark, to be narratively appropriate. And that does mean that at times I don't do that cool conversion because I want to be... Eh, I want to be balanced with it. Uh, I think in time I probably will, because I think I'll be able to justify it to my story. But I'm going to have to justify it to the story. And uh, that's something I'm going to bring up. It's a theme you'll see in my podcasts, but I want to tie things back to the law. And we're going to be digging into the law in many places so we can find reasons to justify the story or find ways to tell the story. And that this, this is the rule that drives that. And my final rule is the one I'm going to spend a huge amount of time on today, because I could. I could rant about it for quite a while. But I'm only going to use Games Workshop bits in my collections. And I'm only really going to be talking about Games Workshop bits in this podcast. For me, this is simply to allow me to ensure that I can play at Games Workshop stores. I also have concerns about a lot of third-party bits manufacturers. Um, 
There is IP theft issues with 3D printing that I'm a little leery on. And there's just the general aesthetic quality of it when you start borrowing toys and just making them into orc buggies. Seen all these things done, and there is a critical conversation to have about all of them. I'm not going to do it now because this isn't the time or place for it, and I don't want to get on a rant and preach for you guys. But this is a podcast, and my collection is about the Games Workshop orcs. I'm not going to be talking about the Cromlech orcs. I'm not going to talk about the aerial orcs. They they have a place in the community, but that's not with me. So that's what it is. So there are the four rules I sat down when I started collecting my orcs. I think they've done me proud. I've got a collection I'm very pleased with, and it's kept me in love with the orcs. I haven't become distracted or gone down a rabbit hole and ended up dejected and unhappy with the project, which is really important. Uh, I think it's a great, like... It's a great piece of advice for anything in your life. Just work out what you want to do before you do it and work out what you don't want to do. Because I think working out what you don't want to do is more important. Finally, there is one other thing. This rule has come along much later. It wasn't one of those first ones I wrote down. But it's become really important to me. And that is, I do not play 40k with points. I tried. I spent... A lot of 8th edition playing with points. But I've also spent a lot of time playing with power level. And I know personally that every power level game I have played is much more enjoyable than the points games. The games I sat down and said, here's my 100 power point, get point list. And my opponent goes, I think we can play with points. Can you convert into points for me? Please, just let us just do points. I want to be able to build my list how I want to build it. Those games have been terrible. I've generally blasted off the table, played against someone playing really competitively, and I'm sitting there just trying to have fun. I play with power level. I think in power level. I like the game at power level level. Now, there are problems with power level. They don't get balanced as regularly, and you do have to be a little aware of what you're doing. It's different. But it sets the tone of the game. If I play with points, or I play someone who refuses to play with points, this is a giant flag for me that they're coming from the game in a way that I won't appreciate. It is a simple system for me to gatekeep my games, and gatekeep in the most positive way. Because if you cannot play with power level, because you're such a competitive player, that that's where your mindset is, you won't enjoy the game versus me either. We'll probably both walk away from the table having a bad time. So if I cannot come to agreement with you that we're going to play the game with a power level and it's not something you just want to do, it's a good sign that we shouldn't play a game together. Simple as. This doesn't mean that I'm not going to be your friend or I'm not going to, you know, go down the bar with you and have a beer or sit around and talk about the law or paint models with you and talk about painting and even talk about how to play the game. It just means that I think me and you sitting down at a table to roll dice isn't going to be the best way we can spend our time together. There's other things we can do, other things in the hobby we can do. And I learned this lesson hard. I lost some friends. I've had to reassess how I view several people because of their insistence that they needed to use points. And it burnt me out. Halfway through 8th edition, I stopped playing completely uh, because I have a couple of real bad experiences with points level games. So only playing power level is a protection for myself as much as everyone else. So yeah, that's the other rule. And like I say, that will have an effect on this show. As I sort of talked about, I'm all about knowing the rules and I'm all about knowing the units. 
but I don't know the points levels. And I'm not I don't care that I know the points level. I haven't picked up the latest um, point lists in a long time. I pour over the power level lists. Power level is how you play Crusade. Power level is a thing, and it just, it's how I want to play. So there's that. And I think that ends the 40 minutes of getting to know me. Um, this hasn't been a very heavy content on Orcs. This is like a primer for the rest of the show. But I think we can put a pin in it all and you'll know who I am now. So moving forward, next episode is going to be a conversation about Gorkamorka, that absolutely fantastic box game that redefined what Orcs were in the 41st millennium. Um, after that book came out on those boxes, everything about Orcs changed. So that's where we're going to start our conversation about what it means to be an orc and play orcs and all that jazz. But that's going to be next week. If in the meantime you have questions and communications you wish to throw my way, please email me at god.engine.cast at gmail.com or you can reach out to me through Facebook where I've got a page for my other podcast, God Engine Cast, or through Instagram where I also I am the God Engine Cast. Eventually, I'm going to have branding for this show, but this is still early days, so when we get there, you'll hear about it here. Um, so until next time, I wish you all well, and good fortune at whatever you're doing. Thank you again for listening to The Other Cast, a podcast dedicated to exploring the ideas around the orcs, in the Warhammer 40,000 universe produced by Games Workshop. This show was written, recorded, and edited by Martin Emery. This podcast is completely unofficial and in no way endorsed by Games Workshop Limited. No challenge to any trademark or copyrights is intended. All rights are reserved by their respective owners. And if you have questions for the show, please email me. Until next time, I wish you all well.